11, we continue on through the book of Hebrews. We've been here a while, and uh, I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Here in chapter 11, he's got a problem, the writer does. It's the same problem that I have, is when you look up one morning and you realize what the clock says, and you realize how much material you got to cover, and you want to be good to the clock, Uh, you know, but you want to be good to the scripture too. Uh, So you just try to emphasize the main points. And that's what he's doing here as we close out chapter 11, beginning in verse 32. He suddenly realized that he's running out of time. Would you stand please in honor, if you're able, to honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, verse 32, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain of the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. We look forward to the time where soon you're coming again for us. Lord, until that time, God, help us to be strong. Help us to not quit, not turn back, not give up. Help us to persevere and to move forward and to continue to go forward. Lord, bless this service today. There are those in this service that, Lord, we need to hear from you today. We need your word today. Then we need to be obedient to it. Hide me behind the cross. Oh, God, forgive me of my sin. Lord, help me to be the, just the messenger, the water boy, the one who carries out what you want done. May we hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. He is winding up uh, verse 11, and he is getting ready to go into, into chapter 12. And in these nine verses, there are some major things. And he has to do the same thing I have to do is I have to just kind of emphasize the main things. Uh, Usually, I have, oh, anywhere from 5 to 11, 12 pages of notes that I don't get to cover on Sunday morning. Uh, Nobody will listen to them if it wasn't Sunday morning, so there's no need of me saying them. So you, you emphasize the major things, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing here. Remember, it's a, it's a, it's a sermon to the Hebrew people, and they're, they're, they're getting there, and he's going through this sermon, and he realizes that he's got more text than he has clock. 
And so he has to emphasize the major things. There are three major things he emphasizes here. Number one, there's a record that we need to check, and it needs to be checked. Verses 32 through 35a talks about what more shall I say? He's talking about Gideon, Barak, Samson, all of those there. He's talking about pressing on to maturity. He's talking about facing persecution. We've already looked at Abel. We've looked at Enoch. We've looked at Noah and Abraham and Rahab. And he looks at the, at the sermon and says, oh, no, we're in trouble. Because he's going through the entire Old Testament. There are more than a 1,000 uh, verses in the Old Testament. And uh, Rahab is 123. Uh, so he's 20% done, and yet his time's running out. And so he's going to emphasize this last thing, kind of jump it up a notch or two, and say, would you listen fast? Uh, he gives, uh, 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 there's an unexhausted list here, but there's a couple of things about this list that is prominent to me. Number one, every one of these people had a great flaw. They had a flaw. They had sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nobody here righteous. We're all in this same boat. But I want to tell you uh, what he said. I I remember that florist (laughs) that uh, got busy on a Saturday morning. He was just running himself ragging, and he had two deliveries to make, two last deliveries. He threw them in the van and took off. And uh, he dropped one off. One of them was at a graveside for a dear old saint of God. He was a precious father and grandfather. And the other one was going to a new hot wings location. The hottest wings in town at the hottest new location. And he, he, he dropped them off at the, at the graveside first so he'd make sure that was done. He rushed over to the wings shop. And when he pulled that flower arrangement out, the words precious father and grandfather were there. He thought, oh, no. And then it hit him what was on the other one. The other one said, best of luck on your hot new location. (laughs) You say, preacher. (laughs) Let me just sum it up what he's talking about here. He's saying that it's possible for you to be a sold out, born again, sanctified, justified son of God and still blow it. It's possible that you can be as spiritual as anybody can be spiritual and still blow it. That's what he's saying here. He he talks about Samuel. He's a flawed sinner. He talks about Barak. He's not talking about the president now. He was a general in the Old Testament. You young people look that up. He was a general in the Old Testament. He would not go fight the army of the enemy unless Lady Deborah would go with him. He really sounds more like a sissy than a soldier. And yet, the Bible says that he was a mighty man of valor and faith. You you talk about Gideon. If all you know about Gideon is a trumpet and a teapot, you miss the last part of his life. He became a very immoral man. He he, uh, uh, was involved in polygamy. He killed 69 of his 70 brothers. We're talking about Gideon, the mighty valor and faith. And then then you look at Samson, (laughs) Judge Samson, with the long hair and the beautician that whacked it off. And we see Samson between two posts crying out because of the decisions he's made 
in his life. He's got a big flaw. And he, David, Jephthah, David there. You can't, if I say David, you don't think of Goliath. You think of Bathsheba. I mean, right there, it's just David, Bathsheba. And yet God said he was a man after God's own heart. You see, the prophets, Habakkuk, Elijah, under a juniper tree, Jonah running from God, uh, uh, Hosea resisting the marriage of God that he called him to. The, the real truth is, if some of these guys didn't show up in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we wouldn't even think they're saved. We'd have to look at what they were doing and say, well, I guarantee you if he makes it, anybody's going to make it. That would, whoo, I wonder if we could do that this morning. If we kind of looked around this congregation and somebody say, I, I doubt they're even saved. The way they're living right now, what they're doing right now, and yet the Word of God teaches us that we can still blow it no matter how spiritual we think we can get. <laughs> More than one person in this auditorium knows what it's like to break a marriage vow and have a marriage vow broken on them. More than one person in this auditorium knows what it's like to be drunk, high, stoned out of their mind. More than one person knows what it's like to be pregnant out of wedlock. More than one person in this place knows the deep, dark secret that they pray will never come to life. But here's the deal. <laughs> Somebody better turn Pentecostal on me. No matter what they've done or what you've done, when they come to the altar of God, they find mercy and grace. <laughs> Amen? I mean, you may have blown it, but I want to tell you the good news is there's mercy and grace when you come to the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> my, my, my. When you come to the altar. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9, says this, following, Know ye not? that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. And then he goes on to say this, and such... Were some of you. Such were some of you. But then he goes on to say, But ye are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank God for grace and mercy. You're washed, sanctified, justified, saved. There's none of us righteous in this building. You can try to act like you're somebody if you want to. But I tell you, the God in heaven knows who you are. He knows who we all are. They all had flaws. They all were sinners. But let me tell you, they also, I secondly noticed, that they were all faithful. <laughs> Verse 33, there in chapter 11, says, Who through faith they subdued kingdoms, 
They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Uh, to return to fight the enemies of the aliens. They were faithful. They were faithful. I remember the story of the football coach uh, that was talking to his coaches about recruiting. Uh, and they were in college. And they said, guys, when you go down to these high schools and look at this, you're going to find guys who get knocked down one time, they're going to quit. Hello? You're going to find others that they're going to get knocked down 10 times and then they're going to quit. There are going to be some get knocked down 100 times and then they're going to quit. He said, but there are going to be some that get knocked down 1,000 times and they're not going to quit. And old boy said, that's who we need, coach. That's who we're looking for. He said, no, 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 no. I'm looking for the guy who knocks all of them down. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you something about the Christian faith. Sometimes you're going to get knocked down. Sometimes you're going to get popped in the mouth. I, I, I like it here. and I, He's not wiping these sins out. They're repenting of these sins. But I like it that the sins are not what's remembered. It's their faith that's remembered. And if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, according to the Word of God, it's not me. According to the Word of God, your sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. They're buried in the deepest ocean. <laughs> so he's not majoring on the sin. They are all sinners. We're all sinners. But he's not majoring on the sin. He's majoring on their faith. By faith they did this. Perseverance is not perfection. Quit trying to be perfect in the Lord. Man, just let the Lord live through you. Let the chips fall where they are. Sometimes, sometimes they'll fall right and sometimes they won't. Be like the old boy, New Year's Eve, 1929. Georgia Tech was playing UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Old boy. Recovered a fumble from Georgia Tech. Ran it 69 yards. The only problem is he ran it the wrong way. His own quarterback tackled him on the one-yard line. That's the only thing kept him from scoring. He walked in. Roy Regals walked in that dressing room, and he began to take off his gear and all of his pads and everything. Coach said, what are you doing? He said, I, I'm not going back. I, I, I made a laughing stock. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I ain't going back out there. Coach looked at him and said, put everything back on. Son, the game's only half over. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. Some of y'all have done laid everything down aside and said, you know, I ain't, I ain't sticking my neck out again. I stuck my neck out at the church and they chopped it off. I ain't sticking my neck out again. So-and-so gossiped about me and I ain't doing that again. Somebody needs to give you a good shaking and say, hey, the game ain't over. We're not home yet. <laughs> One of these days, it's going to be worth it all. I love 1 Corinthians 4.2. It's been one of my mottos all my life. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You don't have to have any talent. He's not talking about skilled. 
He's not talking about well able to do it or powerful. He's saying if you want to be found as a steward, your goal is to be faithful. You can count on me. I've had people all my life, 52 years. Preacher, I'm behind you. Yeah, I just wonder how far back there you are. I turn around, nobody's there. It's important for us today because in this auditorium, we know people who have troubles in their marriage. Not all of them are roses. We know people who have kids that haven't done what you wanted them to do. And you're not proud of those failures, and I'm not proud of those failures. But the gospel message that we have is to cast those things aside. We'll teach more about that next Sunday in chapter 12, where he encourages us to lay aside any sin that besets us, anything that holds us back. Get it aside. Our gospel teaches us that we're to cast aside all things, that we're to get up and we're to press forward and we're to go on with the Lord. That's what we're to do. So there's, there's a list, and it's here. It needs to be checked. But secondly, quickly, there, there's a false theology that needs to be corrected. There was a lie that came into the church here, and the Hebrew writer is writing about that lie, and it's still in the church today. You'll find it mostly on TV stations where if you're not enjoying the wonder of the Lord, you just don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. you got to pray for more faith. You say, well, uh, uh, <laughs> because if you fall in love with Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful. Honey and roses. I keep saying that word honey this morning. i got a honey garlic tenderloin cooking right now. <laughs> I need to get honey off my mind. And then they'll go on to tell you that if you don't have enough faith and if the church you're in doesn't encourage you to get enough faith, you send 25 bucks and call this 800 number. We'll send you a rag out there and you pour it on your head and I guarantee you it'll, you'll have everything you want. It's a lie. It's false theology. The, the Bible says here in verse 35 that these women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourging, moreover bonds, imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Somebody asked me earlier, why would you wander around in sheepskins and goatskins? Well, that's what the, the, uh, the enemy was doing with them. They would kill sheep and goats, and then they would take the the Hebrews and they would dress them in the skin of that sheep or that goat put them out there in the middle of the theater and turn the lions loose isn't that a happy way to go home <laughs> caves holes in the ground they were living and he hardly breathed between talking about the victory and then the hardships some overcame with the sword he said but some the sword overcame some quenched the fire, but others the fire burnt them and killed them. Some shut the mouths of lions, but others 
were eaten by the lions. You got Peter. He preached on Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. You got Stephen preached just a little few days further down the road. Same kind of gospel sermon. Stoned to death. You, you got Paul who's freed at Philippi from the prison and yet he's executed at Rome. You've got Peter and Andrew that were both crucified. Thomas was pierced with a sword. Matthew stabbed to death. James killed. Matthias burned alive. Zechariah stoned while he was rebuking the children of God, his own people. Jeremiah, history tells us, was stoned in Egypt. And then let's get to the prime example. Let's get to Jesus. What did he say about all that? He said, if any man be my disciple, he got to deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You know what else Jesus said? Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. But he said, be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Listen to me. We're not fighting toward victory. We already got victory. We're, we're, we're already, we've got victory. We're headed in a, in a different direction. Every one of us, even in this congregation today, we've got members here in this congregation that have been healed by the mighty hand of God Almighty. Healed. Supernaturally healed. We've got proof. It happened. But we've got others here that instead of being healed, they walked away from a funeral home where their loved one died. We've got people in this congregation that have been healed of cancer. But we've got others that have buried their loved ones because of cancer. We've got people in this congregation that have seen their prodigals come back home <laughs> and rejoice in the Lord. We've got others in this congregation that are still crying out and weeping, asking God, to bring their children back to him. We need to do away with this health, wealth, and prosperity. Paul said, all who live godly shall suffer persecution. Hardship is going to come. It comes in health. It comes in families. It comes in financial pressures. It comes in relational issues. Hardships are going to come. But when hardships come, we also have here a record of their standing. See, if you're suffering, you just need more faith. And yet he says here the world wasn't worthy to be in the same room as these people who were suffering. The world wasn't worthy to be in the same room. Mm. They wandered in deserts and mountains. It goes on up here. Uh, they, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Uh, Let's see. Uh, oh, verse 35. Others were tortured. And listen to this. Not accepting deliverance. In other words, they had a chance to renounce Jesus and come back. But they would not accept the deliverance that they might obtain a better reservation, uh, resurrection. <laughs> wow. You mean I could get out of prison now? Oh, yeah. Just deny the Lord. You can go home to your family. No. Nah. No, we, we, we know where our real family is. We're going to wait for that resurrection. Let me give you this last one. I'm through. Number three, there's a lesson for us today. 
I know the clock's running down, <laughs> and I, I, I'm aware of that. I, I'm nowhere near where I need to be, but I, I'm going to get there. Just two things here. There's an appeal in verse 39. The Bible says, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. Now, wait a minute, preacher. We just read down here where these people received promises. Verse 33, they obtained promises. You see, there's two different things here. They obtained promises, but they didn't receive the promise. You say, well, what is the promise? Wrong question. Wrong question. The question is not what is the promise. <laughs> the question is who is the promise? And the promise is Jesus. These all got promises, but they didn't receive Jesus. Let me tell you, all they did, my goodness, Abraham and Sarah, they got promises. They got a child when they were 100 years old. That's a promise of God. But they didn't receive the promise. Moses uh, went through the Red Sea on dry ground. Idiots argue today that it's not the Red Sea. I don't care what it was. He drowned the entire Egyptian army, you idiots. <laughs> Call it whatever you want to. Our God is a supernatural God, and they received the promises, but they did not receive the promise. There's Joshua <laughs> marching around Jericho seven times on the seventh day. And suddenly the walls began to fall. They received the promises. But they didn't receive the promise. The promise is Jesus. Did, did, <laughs> we, we can go on and press on because we ought to have more faith than Abraham. Oh, no, Abraham was a father of faith. Yeah, but he didn't ever see Jesus. We've got all of the writings of the prophets. We've got the Old Testament. We've got the New Testament. We've got the cross of Jesus. We've got the resurrection. Our faith ought to be stronger than their faith was. <laughs> we ought to know more about worship than David. David was a man of worship. But he didn't get the promise. We ought to know more about the law than Moses. Even though God delivered the law through Moses, he didn't get the promise. He didn't know that there would be a hill called Calvary. Now, he knew there was going to be a Messiah. All that's, you know, I think they pretty well knew in fortune, uh, foretelling of that, of the prophets are telling of that. And later on in the prophets, not in the early prophets, He had no idea there was going to be a carpenter's son that was going to lay down his life for our sin. He had no idea. So there's an appeal here for us, and then lastly, there's an application for us. Verse 40 talks about it. God, having provided some better thing for us. Oh, somebody say amen. amen. That they went, that they without us should not be made perfect. That word perfect is translated in the Greek as complete. They would be not made complete. Now what he's saying here is we need to remember the sacrifices that these people made. We need to listen to their testimonies, and then we need to follow suit. We need to continue to go forth 
for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember, I'm not going to run this morning. I'm not physically able. But if we were in a race with four different people, there would be batons, batons passed. And, and I, I'm number four. And I watch as number one takes that baton. He's going around. Boy, he put a move on them. He's ahead by three or four steps. And suddenly he passes that baton to number two. He's warmed up. And they meet each other and they pass. Boy, he's circling on around number two is. He picks up two or three steps. He comes up to number three. He comes over there and they're beautiful handoff and they're circling around and he's doing good I'm number four I go back here and I get ready and I'm ready to grab that baton and I've got it it's a perfect handoff and I've got it and I think why am I doing this you know I don't feel good this morning I think I'll just quit right now huh see that's what a lot of Christians do they just quit they just walk out. You're in the middle of a race. It's a marathon. Man, don't give up. Keep on going. Go for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we do when we do that? We fail to move forward in the legacy that God created for us. William Tyndale, he was a martyred, martyred man. You know why he was martyred? Because he translated the Bible into the English language. So he was martyred. They killed him. Didn't want him to have it, nothing. Mm. Guy named Felix Mann, 1527. He was martyred. You know what he preached? He preached that people ought to be biblically baptized. And they said, if you want to be baptized, we'll, we'll baptize you. And they drowned him in the Lamont River. Now let me tell you, if you're one of those that hadn't picked up your Bible in a week, knocked the dust off, Thank God the cleaning lady comes every two weeks. You're messing the legacy that was created for us to carry out. Tyndale gave his life for. If you're one of those sitting here this morning, and you said, I know when I got saved, but preacher, I, I'm not going to be baptized. I'm not going down there in front of all them people. Then that legacy that, that he left in 1527, Felix Mann, you're dropping the baton. For me not to pastor this church would be dropping the baton on the others that had been faithful before me. I'm not going to do it. There are many parents and many grandparents. They've been striving all their life, praying that their children and their grandchildren would grow up in the grace and nurture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you drop that baton, when you say, I'm not going to do it, you're messing with the legacy. 
Could I just give you the last perfect example? Look up. Look up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. <laughs> the Bible says it like this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We're talking about a carpenter's son and yet God's own begotten son who walked up Calvary's hill, the hill of the skull, carrying a cross. He never stopped anywhere. He didn't quit. He went all the way. He said, Father, if it's not your will now, if there's another way, I'll do it. But nevertheless, whatever your will is, that's what I'll do. And he died on that cross. When he was outstretched there naked before the entire world, and he said, it is finished. He said, it's all done. It's all complete. Everything you need to be saved and have eternal life has been done. It's all, you can't add anything to it. You can't add works. You can't add money. You can't add good deeds. You can't add good behavior. It's all done. It's already done. And if you're sitting here today without Jesus Christ, you're dropping the baton on the legacy that he wanted us to have. His legacy was, I will that no one perish, but all come to life. Hell was never created for people. And I want to just tell you, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie to you. The question that I need to face today is the same question you need to face. And there are days I don't want to pastor this church. There are days I'd like to throw a bomb in the middle of it. Nobody in it. Maybe a certain few. All right, Lord, I'm, I'm being honest now with you. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> the question is, am I going to finish what Christ started in me? And what he started in himself. Are you going to finish it? I mean, Christ finished it. He said, it's finished. I've done what the Father sent me to do. It's finished. Are you willing to do that? Father, we're grateful today. You give us another chance. Fall on our face before you. Cry out to a loving, holy God. I pray this morning, Lord, have mercy. I lift up those that if you were to come in the next few minutes, they would be left behind. Their parents don't want them left behind. Their grandparents have been praying for them. Others and friends and relatives have been praying, but Lord, have mercy. They're, they're given into the world, and, and, and Lord, you've finished everything for them already. Would you speak to their hearts today and bring them to a salvation of you? Lord, there are others Maybe need to be baptized. Maybe need a church home. Maybe just need to come to this altar and say, Oh, God, I want to finish well. I don't want to stop halfway. I want to finish. Lord, with your help, I'm going to finish. Would you have your way in Jesus' name? Would you stand with me?